The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Rachel Miller-Howard. On today's show, we bring you a conversation with Rick Burkle, who is the executive director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am in the studio today with Rick Burkle, who is the executive director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Phil. So you guys do a lot. So we have we have a number of things to talk about. Let's let's start with the the broad statement, which is uh, Catholic Charities of Oregon works with marginalized and vulnerable communities throughout Oregon to find solutions to poverty and injustice. That seems like a pretty tall task. Well, it is, but and, and it's it's obviously always evolving. You know, um, those communities that are most vulnerable change over time. When Catholic Charities first got started, uh, really here in Oregon in the 1920s uh, and the 30s, we were actually incorporated in 1934, the biggest problem, I mean, this was the height of the Depression, and the biggest families were, uh, biggest challenge was to families going through the Great Depression. The lumber industry in Oregon had bellied up. No one was building houses. And there was a huge amount of stress on families and the adoption system and the foster care system. And so Catholic Charities was there to develop homes for children, uh, all kinds, developed the first foster care systems in the state. The state was simply incapable of dealing with a crisis of that magnitude. And over the year, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna uh, pause for a second because one thing that's interesting to me is why create a, a, a charitable organization? How is that different than just the traditional role of the church? That's a great question. And, and I think, you know, the, the structure of an, a nonprofit corporation provides some distinct advantages. One, you can partner with the government when it's, when it's appropriate to do so. And oftentimes, uh, faith organizations and the government have exactly the same goals in mind, let's say around homelessness. Um, there's also the you can you can become a um, uh, well of course you can be a nonprofit either way and and receive tax you know non uh, uh, non taxed uh, uh, donations to the organization so money is always an important issue I I think the the structure of Catholic charities we're we're led by a um, a lay board so it gives us some distinct advantages of having some separation from the proper church if you will. From the archdiocese, and that's always been, uh, I think, understood as an advantage and put in place purposefully. So, so what then is the relationship with the the Catholic Church? We have a close relationship. Lots in you know, lots of our funding and um, donations come from uh, members of the church, if you will, parishes. There's 126 parishes in Oregon, and uh, part of our ministry kind of works through them and with them. And some of the parishes are enormously activist and do great things. Our job is to kind of facilitate that, find those partnerships uh, when we can. 
Uh, we don't receive any funding from the archdiocese. So uh, it really is more our relationship is with the, uh, the parishes. Uh, to a certain extent. And so, so you were saying that, that uh, Catholic Charities of Oregon, um, your mission doesn't shift, but who is being served shifts in terms of who are the vulnerable communities in, in Oregon. Who is that right now? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And, you know, obviously folks who are unhoused are at the top of that list, and that number continues to grow. So that folks that we've worked with traditionally families, older adults, who traditionally didn't see, you know, didn't have a problem with housing, now do. It's the number one challenge of just about anyone who comes to Catholic Charities. We have, we serve about 25,000 people a year, and now half of those folks come and say housing, instability, or housing, or, you know, imminent uh, eviction is a critical issue. The next groups, of course, are ones that we've worked with for, um, well, refugees uh, since after World War II, Catholic Charities, Lutheran Services uh, were the primary uh, resettlers of re refugees after World War II, and they continue to be. Now the, those folks are coming from, uh, well, as we know, non-Muslim countries generally, uh, Myanmar, uh, the Congo. We just settled a family of 12 from the Congo uh, with a young boy with cerebral palsy who needs very serious medical treatment. That's why they're here in the U.S. I think immigrants, and, uh, and, and not just immigrants from, um, from Mexico, but really increasingly from Central America, Honduras, uh, and Nicaragua, are very seriously at risk and vulnerable, uh, as, as we know. Um, I think uh, seniors increasingly will become a major focus because, um, and, and we're building capacity. We kind of see these things coming, you know. Uh, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to know we're going to have big challenges around housing and services for older adults. So I, I want to go back to along the theme of, of immigration and, and refugees. Um, you know, with the current f uh, federal debates about immigration, does does that put you into a political sphere? Does that 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 seems like you might have to walk through a little bit of a of a minefield with uh, people's political <clears throat> opinions and 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 attitudes? You know, it really is a, a political issue, of course. And uh, as I understand, uh, Catholic voters in the in this country, they're probably split somewhere down the middle. But the church uh, teachings historically are very pro-immigrant. The church sees itself as a uh, an immigrant community, a worldwide immigrant community. It ha always has been. They see the Holy Family as immigrants, refugees. The Holy Family was a refugee family, right? And homeless. Uh, and so that connection back to, you know, God's people will always be refugees and immigrants is very strong. And so church, t and that's why you see, uh, uh, you know, Pope Francis being able to speak really boldly. Uh, the church has taken the position that, you know, nations have a right to protect their borders but people have a right to immigrate. And, uh, and the balance is, you know, the, the wisdom and the trick is to find that balance. What, is, uh, what, are the, uh, what are the most rational and merciful ways you can create a, an immigration policy for this country? And, and, and um, 
talk to me about and if we want to talk specifically about the family from the Congo that you just helped settle. Uh, but how do the refugees find you or how do you, how does the uh, Catholic Charities of Oregon find the refugees? So you know, refugee resettlement is a federal, is a function of the State Department. And, um, and the State Department uh, contracts with uh, nine national VOLOGs, they call them, voluntary organizations. Seven of those are faith-based organizations, different faiths. And, um, and, the, and the State Department knew from the beginning, I think, when they started resettlement in the 40s uh, and the 50s, that faith communities would be pretty good at this naturally, be good at welcoming the stranger, not just Christian communities, but, but uh, faith communities generally, uh, and being able to enlist the support of communities uh, and, and, and get people embedded. So um, I, I think I... I think your question was, you know, what's the relation? We we have a subcontract basically uh, with the um, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, which is a the major contractor to the State Department, uh, and and actually, you uh, Catholic Charities nationally is the largest resettlement agency in the in the country. And 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 then what exactly do you do then? You so so a family is is presented to Catholic Charities of Oregon. Uh, you have you help them find a house. You gather clothes. Yeah. You gather food. You 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 give them a quick cultural lesson. You tell somebody from the Congo it's going to, you yeah. know, this is what the weather's like in Portland. Or what what happens? You can imagine, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. And and people come from uh, all different kinds of backgrounds. Of course, some these these might be city folks. I, I actually don't know this particular family, or they might have grown up on a farm. And so just the, even the enculturation around how do you use public transportation, how do you use uh, a refrigerator, a stove, could be a significant part of what we're tasked with doing. It really depends on where that family is. And, um, you know, but, but yeah, we, one of the interesting th things that's happening now, because the numbers of folks who are being resettled across the country are way down from two years ago. We, settled, we resettled 650 folks two years ago, this year 150. And that's totally based on the administration's decision to ban certain countries, right? Um, but what that provides, the silver lining is that, is that we can actually provide a lot more services to those 150 families. Financial empowerment, housing, uh, job, that we have a job developer full-time. Uh, getting what, what immigrants and refugees want is to take care of themselves. They want to be productive, they want to make money, and they want to become uh, secure uh, here in the United States. So we, we help in whatever ways. Certainly learning the language is number one on everyone's list. If you don't know how to speak English, that'll be a, a priority. Um, but, but we're generally settling families. So this is a 12-person family, a whole tribe, basically. Two adult daughters with children of their own, a mother, the father's not here, uh, and a variety of other children. Um, and so you're really looking at the entire needs of that family system. And in this case, one of the reasons they, these folks are in uh, Portland is because they have family connections here, which makes it little bit more promising. And there's also terrific health care here. And that's what their, their young boy needs. And, and um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, you, you've been on an advisory committee for the mayor for the past year. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a commissioner on the New Portlanders Policy Commission. 
what what is the city doing? What what is that uh, overlap? Uh, what does that look like? Well, you know, this is this that's a that's a great question. I I think the the answer is in part what can a city do, right? I mean, what what policies procedures. Uh, what can be put in place at a city level that it can't be trumped or overridden by a state or federal law, right, or policy? And yeah, this nice, nice choice of the the verb there, trumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I I I think Portland wants to signal that it's a it's a world city that it wants to welcome people from all over the world that it can provide support uh, in a in a place for people to thrive. Um, there are issues, obviously, with our legacy here as a, uh, you know, as a um, uh, community that has struggled sometimes to uh, to receive and welcome and feel comfortable for people uh, people of color, which is where most you know all refugees today basically are, not not all, but uh, most are non-white. Rick Burkle is executive director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. You brought in something for our song break. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have people listen to Bonnie Raitt's song, uh, Take My Love With You. Everyone knows the song, but I'd like them to listen to it a little differently. I, it occurred to me uh, some time ago as I was listening to this that this is actually Bonnie speaking in the voice of God. If you listen to it that way, it's very interesting. First, I thought it was a love song from a you know mom to her kids, whatever, a person to their lover, their husband, wife. Um, the more I, li more I listen to it, the more I think that Bonnie is trying to um, tell a story about God sending his people uh, into the world. And I think if you listen to it with that ear, it's fascinating. Let's take a different listen to Bonnie Raitt. Take my love. 
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. This is Phil Bussey. I'm joined in the studio by Rick Burkle, who is Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. Let's underscore that word Oregon, Catholic Charities of Oregon. It's not just Portland. Is there a difference in the services that are that are needed in Portland uh, or, or in outside of Portland, in Eastern Oregon that is much more rural, or in Medford that uh, is, is, a, is a bit of a more uh, hard-bitten town? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the diff- the differences in the communities around the, the state are uh, really uh, notable. I would just say one thing. We, we are the um, actually the <clears throat> Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, which is mostly the eastern part of the state. The western part of the state is under a different bishop, if you will, but because they don't have a Catholic Charities, we serve for the provider for the entire state. But you're right. Eastern and Western Oregon are two different, uh, two different planets, and um, and things that might be appropriate and actually important to people in in those parts of the uh, those different parts of the state are, are uh, significant. I will say that it's it's fascinating to me since I've been here. I've only been here four years, but even the refugee community begin is beginning to migrate out of the Portland area because of housing prices. So we have some fascinating, we have a Somalian community growing up near uh, Salem for great housing. They like the small town feel. Uh, it's very interesting. And there are, there are Somalian refugees out in the east part of the uh, state as well. Uh, so people are resilient, amazingly resilient, and can create home kind of wherever they are. And, uh, but yeah, housing is huge, jobs, uh, the, although the economy is booming, uh, people on the margins are not working and, and don't have income support in a way that uh, is uh, in their best interest. So uh, those things are always gonna be important. Mental health counseling, lots of the folks we work with have huge amount of trauma in their lives. And uh, so we have a full mental health program that is uh, an intercultural one. We can we work with people in Farsi and Arabic and Spanish and English and other languages uh, because the kind of the nuts and bolts of trauma are very much the same. Um, we have an economic empowerment program that again changes depending on where the region you know wh- what that issue might be. So if we're out at the coast, uh, there are some significant challenges that are unique to that economy. Right, and um, and we and we do our best, you know, to try to uh, be diverse, uh, to try to be creative, if you will. I want to I want to pick up a, a question tangential to your your answer, um, and and I would imagine central to the work that Catholic Charities of Oregon does with refugees. You had mentioned that there's a, a Somalian community that is growing around the Salem area, and obviously, um, you know, there's a Vietnamese community that, that that was resettled some 30 years ago. Um, is there a philosophy or is there a goal in terms of assimilation mm-hmm. to uh, American culture as as it is, uh, or, or is there an understanding that? Uh, that the that your organization will help create a new community that's a great great question and i i think that's an american question i mean i we don't i don't think the church has any particular philosophy around that save the fact that we certainly value the traditions that people bring i I have a good friend um here in town who goes who goes ballistic when people say oh refugees show up here with nothing and he's like, what? He's a refugee himself. And he says, no, I came with everything. 
huge amount of history and culture, and I don't want to lose that. And I think that's always the way people feel about bridging that. You know, they, it, it's both. It's both end. You have to assimilate to a certain degree, have to learn the language to, to work in this economy generally. But, yeah, you, want, you don't want to lose those things that are treasures of your culture. And, and, and changing gears a bit, you, you uh, moved here from the Virginia, D.C. area uh, several years ago, four years or so ago. Yeah. How does the religious community and infrastructure here differ? Does it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, there's there's a lot of, I, I think, church people, not just in the Catholic community, are fond of saying, oh, Oregon is an unchurched community. My, my thinking is a little different. There's, there's less traditional uh, church on the West Coast than there is in the East, for obvious reasons. I mean, you go to Washington, D.C., those, those communities were, those Catholic communities were established in the 1700s. 1800. So there's just a whole different history and longevity. And I think um, Oregon is also, there's, there's a culture of independence. I think the church doesn't like, I mean, the folks of Oregon don't always like hierarchy of any kind, whether it's in the church or uh, otherwise. And so there's always that difference. Uh, it's definitely a, a unique faith community here in Oregon. And, and, um, it's been great talking with you, and we're, we need to wrap up here, but I'm, I'm curious about your role models growing up. Did you grow up with a community, with community work as a model mm. in your household, uh, in, in your lifestyle? I, I'm actually a psychologist, so I always, you know, I came at it from, from inside people's heads, if you will, <laughs> you know, and, was, and always saw my starting point there. But I've got, over time, I realized that it's really all about community. You know, we, we just did uh, a village uh, model up in Kenton, the Kenton Women's Village. You might, have, you might know something about that. Um, we, it's a transitional housing program that's an alternative to shelter because lots of women can't and will not go into shelters because of experiences they've had, uh, all kinds of traumatic experiences. But a village, we learned, really works. And, it, and the main reason is because people support each other. There's really this remarkable human uh, gift to be able to create community. What, and what, what's the difference between a village and a shelter? So, so the Kenton Village is actually uh, individual pods. People have their own locking door and share communal space. Um, shelters are generally communal space, no privacy, limited privacy. Uh, in fact, the shelter model here in, in, in Portland is that. Um, but, but there are some folks who need to be housed but w can't occupy, will not enter. Even the best uh, well-run uh, shelter is, is not something they can tolerate. Your work sounds like it's, it's both uh, challenging and encouraging. Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a terrific way to put it. I, I think that's true of society in general right now. You know, um, there are so many challenges and so many dark spots, but there is always that light, that possibility, and, and the reality that, you know, people do survive and do well and build community and things continue. And um, I, I just think we, you know, that, that's the beauty of a position like mine is, like, we're there when things get really bad. And, that, and that's when people turn to charities and organizations like ours 
And it's nice to be able to be there, to have the infrastructure in place, to be able to respond. And then we know that you know things will get better and people move on, and, and that's great as well. Rick Burkle is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. Thank you for coming in and talking with us, and thanks for all the work that you and your organization do. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corporation that holds to a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, and ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.